The small number of inhabitants located at the only existing settlement within Suprega are nervously speculating with one another in hushed tones. After an expedition was sent upward to investigate a sinkhole and meteor site, only one individual from the party has returned. After stumbling back into the settlement looking bruised, beaten, and stoically angry, he shared that he was separated from his fellow explorers during the return trip after, quote-unquote, it all went wrong. And he's alarmed to hear that no others have found their way back. When asked what happened, he stared into the middle distance, wide-eyed, and firmly stated a single phrase. We aren't alone in Suprega. They're everywhere. Welcome to Questopedia. How was that? Yeah, it was good. Welcome to Questopedia, <laughs> a character and world building podcast. Uh, I'm Brian Perry. I'm Houston Bobley. I'm Jake. Can Bush. I just say right off the bat, uh, never has there been a better descriptor for a middle aged white male protagonist in a movie than stoically angry. Like, <laughs> <laughs> he was beaten and stoically angry stoically angry yeah <laughs> so a little bit of context on that um i forgot that i had written that and i'm not wearing my glasses and so i was kind of squinting at my notes here as i kind of gave our prompt and then when i got to stoically angry i was like that's kind of a weird that's kind of a weird <laughs> pair of terms to put next to each other but whatever sure. yeah stoically angry <laughs> looking angry and stoic. Uh, i feel like it's uh the anger is is bubbling under the surface is what that means right right no yeah. it makes sense yeah. I think I've just never heard anybody say that before. So kudos to me for uh, my wordsmithing. For coining. But yeah, like he's angry. I think you describe like every Alfred Hitchcock male character from like 1940 to 1960. Yeah. Right there. Yeah. Like quiet, but completely in control. Or, or like angry, but completely in control. So I will picture this guy as George Bailey. You know I mean? Yes. Well, we'll see. <laughs> okay. Okay. Also, I all love right, that I said Alfred Hitchcock. You went to, how about uh, Jimmy oh, Stewart? Yeah. In my mind... Uh, as soon as you're talking about Alfred Hitchcock, then Jimmy Stewart is fair game to talk about. It's true. He's in Rear Window. I just love that we and probably some others, right? Yeah, he's in um, Vertigo. Is a big one. Um, oh, that's right. I love that we just jumped that skipping stone straight in your prompt. Anyway, yeah. Proceed, uh, Jake. Okay. You have a world building prompt for us. I do, and it is: if Jimmy Stewart <laughs> lived in Shivalo. Just kidding. No, that's I think it'd sound a little something um, like this. <laughs> what would he talk about? Like? Moons, Mary. <laughs> no. Hey, and hey, and what's up, Mary? Look at the moons. <laughs> you want me to throw a rope up on up on that? Throw all twelve of them down. Bring you the moon. <laughs> bring you some dust from the moon. I wasn't gonna bring this up for the last few episodes. We've been referring to the moon as if there is only one moon. We've kind of forgotten that there are twelve moons. Um, we may want to bring that back at some point. I, I just, just reminded think, the audience. Yeah, I, I think I totally as a forgot. side note, we can just say that the moon, whenever we refer to the moon, it's whatever moon is visible at the time. Because we did the moon that is up. Yeah. We did establish that there's only one moon you can see. Exactly. Okay. Maybe some people so think wait. it is just one moon. Yeah, that was gonna be my question. Was like, um, so so quick world reestablishing prompt. Yeah, this isn't um, a real prompt before but we I will answer a question. Do the moons rotate around the entire uh planet they or do. like is a moon fixed to a side no so each moon is does have a connection with the side and and shares the symbol right so this is the horseshoe side of the planet okay. there is a horseshoe moon that is associated with this planet and actually now that i think about it we are in the 12th month if we're sticking to our original plan where each episode represents a month in the 12th month oh. of every year the moon and the faces align Right. Each face has the appropriate moon oh. above it. Um, otherwise, it is totally random which one is in the sky. Um, but each one stays up for. OK, a that was so, mainly my question was like, would people just think there's only one moon because it's like there's yeah. like a polarity where it's like fixed to a side or do they see all of the moons rotate around? They them? see all of them, but only one at a time. But they have different symbols on them. So it could be that they think, oh, that's the phases of the moon. Right. Sometimes it has a different oh. symbol. Um but there are 12, right. 12 moons. Uh, you, probably most would figure out that there are 12, right? You see maybe one going off to, off one edge of the horizon and one coming on the other side of the I, I would just put forth as a world-building aspect that no one really cares about astronomy. <laughs> <laughs> so they're just like, the moon, the moons, whatever, that thing up Besides there. Besides the know? fact yeah. that the like that a lot of our, their religion stuff that is makes our cars go, and they collect the dust that falls from it, <laughs> they don't care. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So actually, here's one revision. thing. Though. They, I'm going to go back on what I just said. They probably can see more than one moon at a time, right? Just because one is directly up from it, like you'd be able to see 
right? These are flat right. surfaces, right? Like, like it's a flat earth essentially for, for that one face. I'm holding up a D12. You can't see it. Um, <laughs> like each surface is flat. And so you would see the moons that are above the surfaces around you. You'd probably see about six moons at a time. Would be my Or guess. at least on the horizon. Right. Yep. But think, but if it's flat, the horizon is going to function differently, I, I would argue. Do you think they have a whole like gambling okay. system set up around? Okay, like... I'm turning on my I'm turning on my my camera so you guys can see my D12. So imagine oh, wow. D12, the 12 side 12 is the side that we're talking about, right? Uh -huh. Shavalo. That's yeah. flat, right? So if you're on that surface, you would see the things that are around. Oh, for like, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess Your it depends on how high with... the moons are up. We've said they're pretty high. Yeah. So I think the ones on the yeah. sides, seven, eight, two, three, eleven, and seven and eight. I don't know which ones I've already said. I think you'd still see those ones as well, depending on the time of the month. So right. so I think they we yeah. have to accept that they can see some number of moons at a time. So they understand the process yeah. that there's more than one. Do you think the people of this world have a whole gambling system set up on predicting which moon is going to be next? If we're assuming that the 11 others besides established moon are all in a random orbiting pattern. Do you think they ever like place bets on like, oh, I think it's the pot of gold, pot of gold moon. going to give me a pot of gold on well, this I feel bet. Like it'd be, I feel like it's even like bigger than that, right? You're gambling like, should I plant crops? Because each moon is associated with a season. So if it's like, oh, the next moon that comes Ooh. up might be winter and kill all my crops. So you're taking a gamble just by living your life, just like in real life. You just That's introduced economics. Yeah, I was going to say. This world. <laughs> I think that the people of Shvalo will act rationally most of the time. Okay. That's also, a, I do want to like attribute. I do want to like attribute that quote to you, Brian, because it was just like really badass. <laughs> that's you're, me. You're taking a risk. Yeah. You're taking a risk by living your life. Just by living your life. Quote. <laughs> Ryan Perry. Um, cool. Awesome. You have a you have a real world building prompt I see here. I do, and so we don't have to spend tons of time, but it is relevant because, uh, as we can gather from uh, our initial prompt here, there are strange things afoot, and it involves things that are on a somewhat uh, larger scale than we might be used to. And so, my world building prompt is about um, the nature of war, combat, conflict, etc. in Chivalo. Have there been wars? And if there have, what are they like? What weapons do they use? What armor would they take into battle? What sort of moon dust technology yeah. would they utilize? What would a war between two nations in Shivalo? So think... here are the two thoughts that came to my mind. Or maybe they're completely peaceful. I don't know. That's what I was going to say. One of the things I was thinking is, it seems like for the period that we have been exploring the podcast, things are fairly peaceful, right? But I would say yeah. there are two nations yeah. um, that had to have happened at some point, right? Like it seems like there have right, there, right, right. War, war in the there past had to have been a inevitable. Conflict. It seems like, yeah. But I agree that like there's no active conflict at the moment. Well, until Not now, yet. yeah. My thoughts on this is there probably was a civil war that split the horseshoe, kind of as we've drawn up. Yeah, Scarlet and Violet. We got the kingdom and the republic that we talked about last time. I think um, one time we even discussed that it all used to be a republic and then people broke away to make a kingdom because we wanted it to be the opposite of what you th would think. That sounds familiar. That might have been a fever dream, but if it but, was, we shared but it together. We also, I think we also said the opposite when we talked about um, like the, the governor in, Nid in Nidex, I think. Basically, what I've come to determine with this podcast is we're, pl we're flying by the seat of our pants. Don't take anything too yeah. seriously. It's yeah. not yeah. canon until it's shot out of a cannon is what I like. Exactly. To say. Which may happen, which may be part of the war. Yep. Um, but like I picture, so like my character, I won't give away all the details just yet, but like he is uh, like trained in combat, but I wouldn't necessarily say specifically that he's trained in like military combat because he's right. like, but he knows how to handle himself in a fight. Right. Yeah. I feel like fighting and stuff like that, like that, that could happen between anyone. Right. That doesn't have to be nation between right. nation uh, or between nation and nation. Because mine also, right. Mine is a sort of a guard of the royal family, but they, that could be need protection against your own people, too. Yeah. The way so that, I also think yeah. that wouldn't fall under automatically being war. The way I see conflicts in this world is more just like mercenary, mercenary group. Uh, and then when it's like a full on war, which probably hasn't happened since the horseshoe split, um, is how that is yeah. defined uh it's probably something to the extent of 
like, oh yeah, just this noble family is warring with this noble family. So they're just paying anyone who wants to come fight for them. And they're just basically outbidding each other. Yeah. Um, whereas a full on war is like, oh no, like we're getting volunteers and like getting the common folk to fight in. Well, I was just going to say like, yeah, like I think that like the concept of, of like battle of like, we may have to go into battle is not like totally foreign and like unimaginable to them. Yeah. But they don't necessarily like, but nobody necessarily has experience with that. Not, you know not like mean? recent memory. You're saying not in recent memory, right? Yeah. Not I think any that's of the people fair. that are currently. I, I think from the volunteer me to what I was... perspective, because I think there's definitely there's since this kind of sounds like a capitalist-driven, like, oh, my legion ha is the most trained mercenaries in the world. Yeah, like it's definitely that kind of like outbidding source. So I think there's a big difference mm -hmm. between like oh, I'm going to rise up and fight. Like, oh, I brought a pitchfork and I lost it. Versus like, this is my profession. I am a fighter uh, and that's what I do. So I think there's a big yeah. tallying. Sure. Right. One thing that I think okay. is important to point out is geographically, it is very hard to cross over from one side to the other, right? We don't have long distance sea travel. Uh, Suprega yeah. and the surrounding waters are difficult to cross. I think any battles that are fought have to be in Suprega or like crossing over from Suprega, right? Suprega is like the battleground. Yeah, like it's it's, it's no man's land partially because it's uninhabitable, but it's also no man's land and it's it's like the center of the, it's, the war. It's, it's the bridge. It's like yeah. if yeah. no man's land was just a giant quagmire with reverse meteors shooting out of the ground every so often. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, uh, that's my favorite Christmas story is the is the no man's land game of soccer. Yes. Um, when the meteor shot out of the ground. It was the biggest goal uh, of all. I love that story. <laughs> My grandma used to tell that story every Christmas. Man, this really is a uh, 12th month of the year episode, isn't it? It really is. Yeah. Okay, I do I do have one uh, piece of like uh, canon slash uh, historical lore that I do want to put forth. And it's on like a planetary scale, which I think is kind of fun because we've already talked a little bit about like planetary scale things in this episode. Yeah. And I would like to put forth that a long, long time ago at a time that nobody necessarily remembers very well but it's kind of still remembered in like collective knowledge of it's historical in the events legends. in the in the legends no yeah. longer in canon um, disney has put it into legends right yep it's in the vault and but they still know about it and that is that once upon a time the 12 sides of the planet lived together in harmony mm. but then there was a conflict which because you know as we've gone through these now 12 episodes there hasn't been any sort of indication that there's any communication with the with other sides of the planet Correct. or that there is like any sort of diplomacy, trade, blah, 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 whatever that might be, that they're all independent like nation but states. It's right? kind of on purpose because they can't access the other side. They're actually completely right. impassable now. I like the idea that, that there was a time and that, that there was a time when they could. The hurricane barriers and are sort of a, a result of this conflict that happened. Yes, like and that. on a planetary on a planetary scale, there was a a a global or or dodecahedral conflict, and um, it was said about this conflict that everyone had to choose a side, ah. and they still say that they still say that to this day when there's disagreements, and it's just a part of their linguistic like history. They say, well, hey, you got to pick a side, or else you're stuck in the hurricane barrier. <laughs> Or else you're stuck in the hurricane barrier, and they they always add the second part. I mean, too. I feel like you've you've bailed us out a little bit because we we haven't talked as much about the hurricane barriers, and partially because I think we're afraid because they don't make any sense uh, naturally. <laughs> so the idea that they were placed there as like intentional barriers between the faces totally works for me. Right, some sort of cataclysmic thing that was intentional, and everyone just decided you've got to pick a side. Yeah, and literally everyone picked a side, and then didn't ever back to communicate with another i side. think there was some early lore that the people of shivalo came from other faces and so it totally works with that too in fear of turning yeah, this whole totally. episode into a world building prompt instead of an actual episode which we're already committed to our character insurance we're are pretty be far in there a little bit shorter but have we just is there the possibility that this world is just an ever rolling die d12 that just got lost in the astral plane and it has a whole civilization well, it's a whole world built on it 
but it's just this ever rolling die and that's what's causing the hurricanes it's the momentum mm. uh, you do have a valid point that momentum is what causes hurricanes it, 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 it could um, be momentum hurricanes <laughs> they're my favorite kind of hurricanes. yeah yeah i i feel like the fact that they're so neatly along the edges i i want to blame magic more than momentum okay what about both <gasps> or in other words porque no lo yeah so there's 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 some organ some group some entity that wants the sides to be separated and therefore used momentum they, to create they have hurricane barriers they're containing the momentum yes with their hurricane barrier. with their momentum right. magic which which is har all about harnessing it's a new best. wizard subclass it's we're going to introduce yes momentum okay wizard. okay i i figured out how to get us back to the actual prompt about war and battles what if there is sort of a, a specialty? What if we create a subclass of some kind of wizard or sorcerer that is a, I mean, maybe there is something that exists already, but it's it's sort of like a elemental control that, that is used for like making barriers. So like you can make small versions of these hurricane barriers, not just the ones that are along the edges of the planet. You can actually like create one and like push it. It's water bending, basically. So I mean, there is there's okay. an abjuration wizard, there's an evocation wizard, and there's a graviturgy magic wizard. I think some graviturgy. I think somewhere between those three is the elemental yeah. hurricane protector wizard. I, I don't think it needs to be a subclass. I think it's just there is a spell. There's a spell in this world that's not in the right. D&D books that does exactly what I described. What? If, so, I mean, this is just like a term that just came to mind out of nowhere. But like, what if it's a specialty that's just called elemental awareness? And the people who harness that are members of the Church of Elemental Awareness. Is that, is that a reference to my brother's church? <laughs> <laughs> you, I, it took me a while. Yes. <laughs> I was like, we that can phrase cut that. seems so familiar to me. Why are you saying this phrase? <laughs> we can cut that out if you don't want to talk about your, your, your personal life and your brother's relationship. I didn't say the full name of it. So, yeah. And it's not a part of it. And I don't know if it was a real church. Um, <laughs> that was a, one of the first things I learned about you, Brian, is you told me that your brother had started a church called the Church of Elemental Awareness. That's awesome. Yep. Which sounds like a cool church. This I is, won't lie. So they were, they were very into hot tubs. And, I was going to uh, say, isn't this the one who practices natural hot their services in hot springs? Yeah. Yeah. It was a big hot spring thing because that's where all the four elements are united and you can be the most aware of them. Uh, okay. You don't have to I thought, this, I thought we can move on. <laughs> I thought you were going to laugh immediately. I figured you would laugh I immediately, but the fact that you paused, like, what is that? Phrase? I could tell that you were processing. No, that made it, it was so from much the better. deep recesses of my memory um, that he had yeah. that project for Guys, a while. Who needs to do fantasy world <sighs> yeah. building when the real life is already so bizarre <laughs> and interesting? Uh, good times. <sighs> I love that that stuck in my memory like yeah. even harder than it did in yours, Brian. Yep. Okay. You told me that like eleven years ago. Oh, anyway, that's good stuff. Okay. Should we do our? Do we want to like? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, do we want to give a little bit more context on our uh, our? I think that's uh, all you. Here? Yeah. Or am I getting right. out of order? Okay. Yeah. So just to give a little bit more context, uh, aside from the pre-given, you know, uh, intro. Essentially, what's happened here is, uh, you know, in our previous adventure, Doctor Blossom Blocks expedition uh, went up, up, upward. I almost said up north, but it's just up, nope. up, up, up. Um with an expedition team to uh, investigate this whole meteor slash sinkhole thing. And uh, they've had some shocking revelations take place there. And then it was on their way back as they're trekking across, uh, you know, the barren tundra wilderness. They started to see like pillars of smoke, twinkling firelight scattered all over the hills surrounding them in this valley that they were, they were trekking back in. And this was quite unsettling to them because... They believe the entire region north of the settlement in southern Suprega to be totally uninhabitable. Lower and uh, then lower Suprega. Thank you. So they kept on moving. But then when night fell, everything turned to chaos and they started seeing jets of light shoot out of the shoot out from these locations that seemed to have campfires and lights around them. And then uh, explosions fell all around them. They were scattered. And my character. Um, managed to make it back to the settlement, uh, confused as to what happened, and the other members of the expedition are in whereabouts unknown. Ooh. But there was an attack. the whole description still fits with No Man's Land pretty, pretty well. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. I love that we've so made it even more inhospitable. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like inhospitable because of who is hospitable. 
hospitalizing him. <laughs> um, the doctor. What is the? Hold on. No, we need to figure this out. <laughs> Hospitable yeah, what's the verb for. There, hosp- there is a word. Hosped. Hosped. No, I'm not going to think if like I could get it from the Spanish. I don't think there's a word in English for it. Anyway, we could save that for our other our next episode of uh, etymology. <laughs> Let's figure out this word for <laughs> that's for our unleashed. etymology podcast. Let's figure out this world this word for region wide homemaking. <laughs> Let's spend the next thirty minutes talking about the etymology of the word hospitable. Inhabit. No, Inhabit's okay. the word I was thinking of. Inhabit. Inhabit. Wait, okay. but that's the same as that's, that. That's habitable too. Though. Oh, it is. You're right. Okay, we can move on. Anyway, inhospitable means it's not conducive to hospitality. Um, so. They can't live there. There you go. So my character is named Laredo Duval, Ooh. or as some people might call him, Laredo Duval. That's definitely <laughs> okay. how I um, would call him. Yeah. Yeah. But he calls himself Laredo Duval. Wow. So mysterious. And he is, yeah, he is a little bit mysterious. Um, He was hired security detail Whoa. for the, the Blossom Block expedition. Yeah. Um, And he comes off as a kind of, like I said, stoic kind of quiet hardened sort of uh, man who is not a man but right but is actually a half elf his class is ranger but he also has another class here on the side which i'll get to in a second okay um don't tease us he calls he (laughs) you don't worry no go ahead he now calls suprega his home but he is formerly from bright city Ooh, um twist. and essentially the story behind this is that he uh you know he grew up he was trained in the ways of uh you know hand-to-hand combat security detail etc etc but his true love was music and theater Ooh, fun. and so that is why he is a ranger slash bard slash bard but you gotta love a slash bard Exactly. And the reason that he has basically immigrated to Suprega from Bright City is because on one of his days off from the security company he was working for, he decided to attend a music festival <laughs> I knew it in was Bright coming. City that was extremely, ah. extremely traumatizing to him. <laughs> and he made the personal decision that if he is to save the arts, he must harden himself for battle and be prepared for anything in the future i will defend music with my life i will defend music from any sort of exploding vegetable that's kind of what he said (laughs) um yeah and so he's like the he's he's the quiet type but because he is a uh a true lover of of the arts and music and theater he is also charismatic once you get to know him right he uh he likes to have a good laugh and he'll flash a charming smile if you uh, you know say something witty, and uh, yeah. But currently he has been working uh, with the Blossom Block Expedition, and now he has decided that uh, you know, well, now he's decided that something has definitely gone wrong with that, and that is. I'm glad uh, he's made that decision. What we have to figure out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, let's see what else. He he's handsome in sort of a weathered way. He's tall. He's got a strong build, scruffy beard, unkempt hair, uh, but not like in an off-putting sort of unkempt way, but rather like a laid-back and charming sort of way. And so he carries with himself uh, a couple items. Uh, one is a moonbeam pistol that he special ordered from a family friend named Cole J. Okay. The other is a six-string guitar, which he built himself, or a, a lute, whatever you want to call it. It's a six string i think i think we're past the point of of relying on using only fantasy medieval instruments it's a guitar it's a moon tar moon tar when in doubt throw the word moon in there yep and then the last item that he always keeps on him is a whip he's lawful good and he is in this expedition because he feels a duty to uh find his comrades basically just indiana jones is a bard what you're getting at Stokely yes. angry. Uh, hold on, I got a name for the guitar. I can I can I propose okay. a name for the guitar? I wanted to I wanted to use a different word than moon, but this still is related to moon, which is gibbous. Can it be a can be can it be a Gibson a gibbous Gibson? <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> a, a, a gibbous a Gibson guitar. A Gibson. Gibson. <laughs> Thanks, it's a yeah, Gibson. Like Give us a tune near the guitar man. <laughs> uh, last thing here. So you probably already have a picture of him in your head. But there is actually a real life reference with this oh. character, but it, it's it's more subtle than usual. 
And so I'm going to give you five seconds to think on it and see if you come up with anything as to who Laredo. I mean, it's either it's Sam either Elliott. Robert Duvall or Tom DeLonge <laughs> or both of Shelley Duvall. Nope. Laredo Duval looks an awful lot like Pedro Pascal. Oh, the rhyming. Oh, you always miss the rhyming. I just, I honestly thought you were bringing back Sam Elliott somehow. Nope. Music, theater. He's got a moonbeam pistol and he carries a whip. I don't know if you saw that episode of Jimmy Fallon, but yeah. Sure didn't. Yeah, it felt like it clued to something, but I couldn't, I couldn't place it. Pedro Pascal knows his way around a whip. That's really it. Sure. And that's. Okay, cool. Okay, sweet. Um, mine's kind of a serious character, so I can be like the serious sandwich me. Perfect. Um, again, are you saying this? Laredo Duval is not a serious uh, character? Mine is more serious. Mine is like one of those that you'd actually okay. make as like your first indie character when you're trying to be uh, like that, that that character. Um, but it is one of my favorite uh, characters I've made in one of the early stages of playing D and D. I don't think I've actually played with her, but used her as a NPC quite a bit. Her name is Rose Moss. Now, let me tell you about Rose Moss. She is a halfling noble, but she didn't quite fully understand that. All she knows is that uh, she was rejected by society at a young age and grew up in the forests of this world um, and learned to just be part of nature. Now, the real tragic backstory about Rose Moss is... Her parents were halfling nobles, very uppity, uptight halfling nobles who couldn't fathom the idea of having this, uh, uh, having children with any sort of blemish on them of sorts. And her mother passed away while giving her birth. And then she was born with damage to her, uh, oh, I just blinked on the word. It's part of your throat that uvula. She had no uvula. <laughs> wait, I was about to... wait, were you saying you, you did the next thing you did say was throat. So, uh it starts with an L. I'm it's late. We're recording this all my larynx. larynx. Yes, thank you. It's almost midnight for me right now. I was about to start shouting out anatomy, but I didn't have the courage. So, uh, she was born with damage to that. So, she could not like vocalize herself very well. And her father who was this very uppity noble, was also a very famous opera singer. So she represented both this idea of, oh, my wife died giving birth to her, and also um, she, like, doesn't resemble me because she can't sing. It's kind of how he Mm. interpreted it, and it gave him Mm, a lot of trauma. So he abandoned her to the wolves in the wild and stole another child that he raised as his own to avoid suspicion from the other halfling nobles. Wow. It's a very tragic backstory. This sounds like a nine a nine novel oh, series. What is that? No, I just mean like this is oh, a, very a series that has nine novels. Background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a deep yes. like gothic romance backstory sort of thing. Yeah. I, I would also love it as a YA exactly. series. Now here's yeah. the thing. Little did father know mother. But- you got that right. <laughs> knows very little, little did, did he, he know, know period also he didn't know period. that his mom or the, his wife Rosemont's mother was part ghost wise halfling i uh, had the risk <gasps> they were just gonna stop at part ghost. ghost she came back to haunt him <laughs> after he gave up the child but also uh she was ghost wise halfling and it was very recessive gene, but Rose Moss did inherit the gene of telepathic communication. So while she can't speak, she can speak to people's Dang. minds mentally, telepathically. Nice. While, this while is cool. she was in the forest, she was raised by wolves that were extraordinarily smart. I'm proposing wolves in this, uh, in our world, are like chimp level smart. Uh, and emotionally I mean, I think sound. we already established that all animals are quite a bit smarter than we give them than than, than they are in our I, world. I think right? that's fair. Didn't we say that in the jungle episode? I think that's fair. Yeah, there's there's a, there's a lot of characters raised by animals, and it's not an accident. Like that's that is a feature I think of this world. Wolves in this world yeah. are very much against being stereotyped as the oh we're just going to eat your abandoned children. I really hate that stereotype that's thrown on them. They hate they really that. do. Um, but yeah, they raised Rose Isn't Moss. That dingoes? Uh, dingoes also exist in this world, and they will eat your children. So they so do eat your baby. Watch out for that. Your babies, you mean? Um, 
Anyway, what class is Rails? Oh, I'm getting there. This is a whole. Oh, it's okay. A, okay. It's nine Sorry. novels, like Jake was saying. Perfect. This is gonna yeah. be a long episode. Game of Rose. <laughs> Rose just had this inherent desire to connect more with uh, her wolf brethren and sisters, uh, and so she, through sheer force and will, developed the shape shifting wild shape ability. And that started her on this route to become a druid, specifically a shepherd druid, because she had just this special connection with all the woodland beings, was very good friends with them. Uh, and she particularly loved shapeshifting because when she transformed into a wolf, she then had her larynx uh, completely in tune. And so she could sing to the moon at night and... Uh, though she didn't know the sad tragedy of her back. If only, if yeah, only. Yeah, she didn't know the sad tragedy <laughs> behind it, but she had like this natural love of singing. Um, and so she always felt like part of her was restored by becoming a wolf or another animal. Um, so just to get this straight, she was raised by wolves and then, and then took and then decided to pursue the profession of defending animals from wolves. Because that's what shepherds do. Right. <laughs> she's, Not if you're shepherding the wolves. She's a shepherd in the sense of like okay. She's yeah. a wolf herd. She's a wolf mechanically herd because a shepherd herds the sheep or the sheep's. So she'd exactly. be a wolf. Hi, I'm Wolford Woodruff. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm from the Woodruff Woods. I meant to say Wolford Brimley, but I it came out as Woodruff, and so now I'm just talking about the president. <laughs> I mean, the three of us left, but uh, wait, will. You said Wilford Wilford Woodruff? Woodruff. You're thinking yes. of Wildrow Wil- Wood- Woodrow Wilson. Uh, I mean Woodruff of- Wilson, the Latter-day Saint prophet. About a Latter-day Saint prophet, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which all of us being from Utah, which is why we all still laughed and weren't confused about it. But oh, man. Common, okay. I, I, I've never kept this straight. Yeah, no. I think people commonly in Utah put on like presidential quizzes that Wilford Woodruff was president. Yeah. When they mean Woodrow Wilson. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Anyway. In this case, I what I meant was Wilfred Brimley, who also I believe was he a Latter-day Saint. First Wolford, you might say. <laughs> anyway, I noticed that you put Bart Bard next to my class. And I, I think that's what is that not was true? It, but I, I was think just it is notes. true now. Um, because she has this natural inclination okay. to love singing. So that just makes sense. You fleshed out my character. Well, and we decided that we love a slash yeah. bard. Maybe your character needs yeah. to be slash bard. Um, anyway. I actually have made him slash bard while we were right. doing this. Uh Speed this up a little okay, bit. Cool. She, over time, started acclimating to uh, uh, humanoid society, uh, trying to create uh, peaceful connections between animal and humankind. And she knows a dark secret about what's going on in Suprega, because that was uh, somewhere they journeyed. Ooh. Problem is, I don't know what your quest prompt is, Jake. So I'm holding that as... Uh, something that will be discovered over time, but she knows about the danger and she overheard all this. And so she just like very menacingly came up to this group that's going on the expedition as a wolf and then transformed into a halfling before their eyes and then telepathically said, I'm coming to no one dared to tell her otherwise. So she's coming and she looks like Sigourney Weaver. Yeah. The halfling. Love it. Excellent. All right. I also, I also love that we've got, we've got dual bards going on here who also multi-class as a, wolf herd and a ranger yeah this is good. quite the lineup so far so brian good. i think it's just i'm gonna mix it up a little bit but not too much i will still add some bard to my character because i i did i do have right. a way to justify it okay my character his name is lynx don't be confused that's also the name of the kingdom on the left side of shavalo um that's because he was chosen when he was a small child to be the legendary hero I just realized because you have your hint for your character, so I know with the direction you're going, and this works perfectly yeah. for being him being part bard. He has an ocarina. Yeah, exactly. All right, spoilers. So he he is a he's he is the princess's personal knight, um, and he has a legendary weapon that can seal the darkness. Is you know because, but that's just a tradition. That's not necessarily like I'm not giving him like an OP weapon. That's just sort of the tradition of Lynx's in the Kingdom of Lynx. So his full name is Lynx, the legendary hero of Lynx. And it's really a sort of ceremonial okay. title. They always just choose one child, usually someone who is like not do, who doesn't have a great circumstance growing up, and they give them this opportunity to go to the the training academy and they become a knight and all this stuff. So anyway, uh, his name is Lynx, the legendary hero of Lynx, uh, and he is a half elf, just like uh, okay. just like Laredo Duval. Nice. 
my brother. And he is a crown paladin. I don't actually know anything about the crown uh, subclass of paladin, but I assume it means they protect the royal family. Uh, and he does that, but he also is sort of a has sort of a Captain America role, right? He's kind of there to rally people's spirits when times are hard and that kind of thing. But uh, he also knows how to fight. So he's he's joining this as a he's been assigned by the princess to, you know, see if there is something that will concern the kingdom. And uh, and he he needs to do whatever he can to make it safe and make sure there's no okay no evil incarnate that is rising from the the and i also like the idea that since rose can speak telepathically to people's minds whenever lynx is like uh walking into a situation he just hears inside his own mind please be careful (laughs) i thought you were going to go for hey listen the blood moon rises the blood moon rises yeah we actually don't have a blood moon the horseshoe moon rises (laughs) Yeah. yeah one of those moons rises so yeah. many moons. What else are you going to say? Too, oh, too many moons. Um, I thought long and hard. If you haven't figured out at this point, my character is based on Link from a little game called The Legend of Zelda, that series. Scare. Um, For context, it, if you're listening to this in the future, yeah. Tears of the Kingdom comes out next week. And so I'm very excited. So uh, my so character my. is blatantly stolen from that, uh, which is why I was able to get through it quite quickly. Um, in this case, he's being played by Macaulay Culkin <laughs> as an adult. <laughs> I now just realize how badly we need an actual live action legend of yeah. Zelda movie with macaulay culkin as link I, I liked to imagine an older link in this case i mean links in this case just because yeah just because i i because it's a time of peace he hasn't really been called upon to do all that much in his role right and so um he, he's doing pretty easy missions this is his first like really big deal mission and we've so, also yeah. like we've also had like we've had we've seen i mean going off your reference we've seen young link We've seen adult Link, but we haven't Cole, necessarily Cole seen like Link. late 30s, early 40s Link. Yeah, we you haven't I mean? seen that. Approaching middle age Link. I yeah. think that's a pretty cool character. But still has a youthful but glow, I, right? I mean, oh, yeah. Of course. Uh, this picture I Just pulled. Just like Macaulay Culkin. He looked great. Yeah. Macaulay Culkin's doing great. He turned his life around. He's I'm doing so great. So happy for him. I do have a question, though. Does he speak? Oh, I, I think he speaks. He's very quiet. He doesn't speak very much. But, and he's also like, I want, I want to say he's not that into music. But if he, if he finds an instrument, he can play it, right? If he just okay. walks into a temple and he finds an instrument, he's playing it. I, I am I also that. playing Link's Awakening right now, which he does just walk into temples and he finds instruments and then he just knows how to play all of them. So, okay. So that's my guy. And also, like, they're changing the quest prompt instead of this uh, mission to just determining what a home alone, a like <laughs> I rule alone style D&D campaign would look like. Yeah, Link, it's about Link all about starting castle, a castle because we're all, all his various tools and abilities and whatnot to uh, scare off the Ganondorf burglars. Yeah. Think of it this way. Think of it this way. We know the circumstances. We know what has taken place. What you decide to do with your dice roll is up to you. <laughs> okay. Awesome. So, Should we get it. to it then? Even if even if it's a a huge success, it doesn't have to be a the success that fair that Laredo necessarily wanted. Okay, cool. This is yeah. like a it's, this is a quiet, quiet group um, with a lot to say. That's what I'll say. It's a quiet group. Conceded in have, their eyes. They, they have that. Yep. Yeah, exactly. They have a song in their hearts and a and a and a fight in their in their souls. Exactly. We're being very poetic here. Let's let's get to rolling those dice. Yeah. Okay. Who's going first? Who um, I'll go first since uh, we kind of kick things off here. Ooh. Okay. So yeah. So like I I, I had kind of mentioned uh, essentially. Loredo Duval, uh, his goal here is, you know, he came back and uh, his goal is to team up with more individuals to go back into the wilderness and try to locate the remaining members of the expedition and potentially find out, like, what just happened, right? Like, who are these people mm-hmm. and, and what's going on here? That's kind of secondary uh, because he's a real sweetheart and he mostly is just worried about his friends. Um, but... Uh, so he, uh, you know, he meets Rose and he meets Lynx and he sort of decides, well, I'm going to do like a little bit of scouting ahead, uh, after I'm rested up just to kind of see what's going on here. And he, uh, while, while Rose and Lynx are still sort of deciding what they think should be the approach in trekking back into the wilderness, he scouts ahead, he scouts upward, uh, following back in his own tracks and then he kind of goes off to the side and he goes toward the woods where he saw some of these fires and stuff and he sees on the hillsides encampments entirely of humans. <gasps> all right what does that roll 
That was a 16. Nice. Oh, and he also finds uh he finds Dr. Blossom block uh like with a broken leg, but he's okay and he helps him out. So success. Yeah. He so discovered information about what's going on here and he also saved a member of his team. Awesome. An important one. So I know that his name is Blossom Block, but I heard it as Blah Sunblock. Dr. Blah Sunblock. He's very boring and he loves hanging out at the beach. I think like Blossom Block, what they like changed their name to Blossom Block after so many years of taunting. We're one joke yeah, away exactly. from a uh a, a blah blah turning it law reference. Yeah, exactly. I'm Dr. Blossom Block. This is Blossom Block's block. Um, Blossom Block. I'm gonna go second. Yeah. What are you um, Houston? I think okay. this will hold us up for dramatic tension to see what uh, Brian's role reveals. Okay. Um, just think, we're not going to automatically fail this. I'm going to put you in a very difficult situation. Namely, Ooh. the second worst situation you could be, because I rolled a two. Um, oh, fun. So my big secret that I've been holding on is I've come to Suprega before, and... I, and by I, I mean Rose, is very jaded towards society, as you might imagine. Uh, she's been working on trying to build fair, uh, fair. animal human or animal humanoid relationships. And it's worked in some areas, less so in others. Um, and I think she's decided like Lynx, specifically that nation. Is that the Kingdom of Lynx? Yes, Kingdom of Lynx. The Kingdom um, of Lynx, yeah. That's partially why I made my character to help us remember that, that that's the kingdom. Makes sense. Um, I think she's had bad relationships with the Kingdom of Links. Um, and so she came up here a long time ago while she was uh, wolf herding with the wolves um, and learned about this encampment of humans. And they were very entranced by the idea of this wolf shapeshifter that could talk to them mentally. Uh, and she was like, it's a thing. If I lead them up to you, can you set up scouts to follow uh, them back? And then... Uh, I'll help you devise a plan. They are coming to wipe you out. She's feeding lies to these people, and they're just taking that face value because it's this you're saying to our group, to, to, to our party. Humans. She's lying. This was on a previous trap. Ah, okay. to the human, all so the human discovered. encampments. Okay. Yeah, I think you yep. guys were like super impressed with Rose of like, wow, she knows exactly where to go. She's a master of survival checks and just navigating through nature. It's because she knew the way already. Um, and so she's like setting you guys up. Got it's it. like, yeah. And when she was saying that, uh, Laredo just kept saying, this is the way. This is the way. <laughs> this is the way. And she's like, this way. And he would just say, mm, this is the yeah, way. That sounds like, that sounds like, and then, uh, Lynx would just look away often in the distance. And then Rose would just telepathically go, hey, listen. Um, and then, he'd and I think his reaction is just sort of a lot of a, hmm. Exactly. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Or every once in a while, I, I was going to say, he, every once in a while, if he's like jumping over a log and yeah. pulls out his sword just for some practice swings, he throws out a hit, yeah, yeah. So exactly. I think she's setting it. you guys yeah. up to fail. Like she's going to make it seem like, oh, we found what's going on, this big mystery. But as you come back to civilization, some, she's going to help some human scouts come here so that they can set up an ambush later and attack civilization okay. oh man perfect this is getting intense. so right now our average sits at nine i realized this whole plan um, falls apart because she could have just led them to uh kingdom itself oh so i'm i'm taking this one step further she well is... i think this is i think this is her reaction right this is her reaction to like finding that people are are coming up to this human settlement yeah so i don't think she's like planning it all out right she's just kind of like oh shoot people are coming it's, i need to do whatever i can and like warn them it's and almost like, like she's making this up and on she's kind of like me yeah exactly yeah. and That's she's sort of like like she's not necessarily i wouldn't i wouldn't say that her goal is for the settlement in lower Zaprega to be wiped out by the humans but she is just kind of poisoning the well like she does not think, want there to be like civil diplomacy between the two groups she just wants another war to happen she hasn't okay. seen it in her lifetime. She just wants the humans to go to war and then the wolves can feed on them. Okay. So she like has contracts with. No, I don't Lockheed think she Martin has contracts. I just think she's okay. an avid studier of war. She's just a general enthusiast. Loves war. I just love killing. <laughs> it's the best in, uh, in Pokemon Go. Sometimes the bad guys, like the Team Rocket, 
people will be like, I love stealing things. <laughs> it's like, oh, wow. Yeah, you just, yeah, yeah. It's not like you need the money or like you get fulfilled. No, yeah, you nope. just love it. You just love stealing stuff from Pokestop. I'm passionate about doing bad things. It says here on your resume people. that you're passionate about stealing. So I've noticed that. this trend. When I roll badly, right. instead of my characters being incompetent, I, I notice that I tend to just make them evil. <laughs> They're yeah. the traitors. Kind of like it. I just like not having yeah. competent characters. I think yeah. that's one way to do it. We've established canonically that evil <laughs> is failure. Yes. Wow. Also, I have one. Just like in real life. Before we switch. Exactly. Before we switch to Brian, I just have one quick uh, question. Uh, oh, wait. We already we already talked about Brian's character. I, I just have one quick question about, um, like, if Rose is a, a wolf herd, meaning that she her, her goal is to protect herds of wolves, rather than the normal earthly situation where you're protecting herds of sheep from wolves. Who is she protecting the wolves from? That's, uh, wow. that's why just she like wants you, all the humanoids like to fight each other. So she's like a wildlife, she's a wildlife conservationist. conservationist by, you know what? The, the humanoids will be so distracted fighting each other, they won't be able to hunt us for it's, meat. And it's such. like the 90s when it was a, like a big thing to make villains be like eco-terrorists, <laughs> right? They'd be like... <laughs> Greenpeace, but then they're like the solution is killing yeah. all humans. Rose yeah, Moss was definitely I mean, created by it's not wrong. The like nineties not movie villain great. mindset yeah, for sure. Exactly. Um, and Brian's character is like Captain Planet, basically, except exactly. Captain America. So, so we've got we come back to Links. Um, Links, the legendary hero of Links, and he's wearing his his traditional tunic. That get this, it's oh. orange. Nope. Um, didn't see that coming. You thought it was gonna Ooh. be green or like a nice baby blue. No, it's orange. Uh, and he decides he doesn't trust rose so he's actually like keeping an eye on her and he he actually has he actually knows how to ride wolves because he's there's stories about you know previous links um yes. becoming wolves similar to rose and so he's Ooh. like she could be really powerful but also dangerous and so i'm gonna keep an eye on her so he's actually aware that she's doing all of this and he he gets the the rest of the gang together and he lets them know he says hey we can't trust rose we the humans know we're coming. We need to take That's another the approach. That's most Links has said. And what in he any does, game. he's he's so he's so eloquent in this one. Just now, right. just when he needs it, right? Just when like the yeah. moment really calls for it. Just when like your your roles for your te your group success are really teetering on the balance. He really comes through to speak a lot, and he comes up with a really elaborate plan using all of his fancy gadgets. He's like, okay, everyone is going to take a gadget. We're going to create what he does. He basically, this is really cool. He builds a raft and he's going to like the, the, the camp of humans, the settlement of human is across one of these big sinkholes we've been kind of talking about. And he says, we can yeah. sail across it. I can build a raft, right? So he does that. Nice. He loads people onto this raft. He uses his hook shot and latches onto something on the other, other side. Uh, let's say it's latched onto maybe just some storage um, huts. Maybe uh, he does that. And as he is pulling this raft with with this team across, the grappling hook breaks and you get sucked into the sinkhole because I also <laughs> rolled a two. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. So we've lost the legendary um, Link's the legendary do, 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 hero of Link's. Rose is well, insight. We've lost this Link's I, he legendary might come back hero of Link's. years after uh, an eternal slumber. Yeah. Um, well, I think it's I think it's just every generation they, they pick okay. anyone. Um, Rose is trying to incite war. Um, between the humans. So maybe were successful in stopping that? We did okay Reno. in the sense that we fi we figured out that there are, are human encampments. We saved Dr. Blossom Block. We lost links. And I think the success part is that we that we didn't let Rose win. Yeah, I, basically. It's like we, we didn't set, do yeah. what we set out to accomplish, but at least we were buried in a in a sinkhole. Maybe we'll maybe they survive, right? We don't know if we didn't survive. We may just end up in the thunder bar thunder dark. Wait, wait, wait. You keep saying we. Lynx shot his hook shot and it broke and he got pulled into the sinkhole. Did we all get pulled into the sinkhole? He was him? using the hook shot to pull the raft across. Oh no. And so we were all on the on the raft. So we all got sucked into the sinkhole. Doesn't mean we died. We could have been sucked into the Thunderdark or the under Thunderdark. Can I can I do a can I do a whip lasso? Yeah, make it saving you got pro? A 16. All right, all right, all right. Yeah, yeah, fair. I guess we've established your character it was successful. Okay. Yeah, my character was successful, which means that as the raft was falling into the abyss, um, Laredo Duval uh, whipped his whip upward and wrapped it around a, a, a tree root, and he hung there and managed to climb his way out as the raft dropped out from under. Nice. 
and then he found a small human child and raised it as his own. Um, yep. I think part of this big success is that you definitely stop like Rose's plan of inciting immediate war. Like the humanoids, you kind of communicate to them whether it's like very primitively or what not that you mean them no harm. So let you be that doesn't resolve future tensions of oh right a, a rest of civilization is going to come up and drive them out and try and colonize yeah. this land and there's there's also still the question of the moons right so that's that's quite adventure it was a mixed success we uh we we solved the problem that we created halfway <laughs> through it and there we go um should we give people sort of a sort of a preview of what the next episode is because sure. it's not a normal episode i would say like a little teaser to be okay. fun so Episode 13, we haven't talked tons. We haven't talked about like, the, the format of this show because we didn't know what it was sort of as we were starting it out. But essentially what we're doing is we're doing 13 episode seasons, one season or one episode for each month of the year um, with associated with the moons. We haven't been super clear about that, but that's what it is. And then episode 13, we have decided is sort of a like wrap up of the whole year. Um, and we'll do sort of a big, a sort of big quest that that pulls in you know, villains and heroes from previous episodes. And we'll kind of figure out what that is. We'll figure out what the quest even is during the episode rather than starting with a quest and figuring out characters. We kind of know what characters might be involved and we'll kind of use those to figure out what the quest is. And then we will uh, roll to roll to do it sure like do. we always do. So yeah, this will be the, the last one of the season. We'll take a break. I don't know how long that break is, probably a few weeks to a month kind of thing uh, so that we can stay on top of the editing schedule and things like that. We want to keep things sort of consistent, but we can't really do it every week because we all have real jobs. Not the podcasting isn't a real job. <sighs> this podcast isn't a real job. Yeah, it's it's a real job. <laughs> we just don't make any money yet. So. Yeah, yeah, fair. Um, so yeah, anything else you want to say before we uh, before we um, that was up and by? This might be the button for later, but did you say that ten was our average? Ten, I believe so. Oh you shoot, sure I did. divided by two, not um, by three. So. Are the average uh, is like a little less than it's about seven. 20 thirds. Yeah. Okay. So Laredo is taking captured that's by still the okay approach, right? That's still, still a mixed an, an okay approach, but it's a low. Okay. It's approach. a low mixed. Success. So yeah. you guys fell into the abyss. We saved Dr. Blossom block. We prevented the, and Laredo broke the mass, his leg, the massacre and Laredo. Well, I was just going to say Laredo, Dr. Blossom block broke his leg, but Laredo fixed him up. But I was just going to end with, to kind of lean into the low okay after he threw his whip and didn't fall into the abyss he was pulled up by the humans who have now taken him okay there it is that's some tension that's a that's a real cliffhanger literally join us next week that was up and bye join us next week on questopedia that was up and bye i'm trying to say questopedia more. <laughs> good call